welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. You know, last week we talked about this idea that, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that makes up our our normal kind of everyday, something like 40 to 45%, according to a, a university study in the US, uh, 40 to 45% of what we do every day is a result of our habits rather than conscious choices or decisions that we're making. Now, why don't you just think for a second about the last... Now, today, like Sunday might not be an, a normal day for you, um, probably for many of you, you're not at work today, so it's probably not a super normal day. We only have church once a week, so it's not a kind of a normal day. But think about the last kind of normal routine sort of day that you had. Now, what did you? What was kind of your your routine on that day? Maybe you like get up at the you know when your alarm went off, and you know you kind of go through. You're getting ready, jump in the shower, get dressed, have breakfast, um, go to work, come home. You know make dinner or whatever the case might be, maybe you have a, a, a Bible reading in there somewhere, you know, watch some Netflix or TV or something and, you know, and, and go to bed. You know? And it kind of, if you think about, I, I don't know what your day looked like, but there's probably a lot of elements of our days that are, are probably somewhat similar. We probably all eat meals and hopefully we, we all shower. Um, <laughs> we probably all put clothes on at some point, changed out of our uh, pyjamas and you know, <laughs> got out of bed. Uh, and so there was kind of things that are probably similar. But if you think about your last kind of normal day and then compare it to like the, last normal, the, like the previous normal day before that, you'd probably find that they were, they were kind of fairly similar. Now, you might be in a situation where your, your work is kind of all over the place, so it, it's kind of tricky. But there, there, there's a lot of the things that make up our normal kind of everyday stuff that we do. I, I'm a relatively new person to the world of coffee. Um, it's a relatively, you know, it's only probably been a year or two that I've been drinking coffee. And for, for most of my life, I'm like, ooh, that's disgusting, get it away from me. And now I've kind of crossed over to the dark side. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've had a, a, like a coffee machine only for about a year. I think it was like Father's Day last year. And I know that I've already, like, for, and for a long time, like I'd maybe have, you know, one or two coffees a week. So this is not like a, a three times a day thing for me. It's like probably lately it's getting a little bit more regular. It's probably more like, you know, four or five or six times a week. Um, but I've already got like this rut- this little routine that I go through and it's not a complicated coffee, like it's a pod one. It's like you put the pod in and you pour it and it's done. But, but I like, uh, you know, so here's my routine, okay? I'll give you my, this is how much, I was thinking about it this morning and thinking like how regimented I am even in this one thing that I've not been doing that long, okay? I turn the coffee machine on, all right? I go get the milk out and then I realise that the, um, the little froth, milk frother thing um, hasn't been dried, so I have to dry that and then put the milk in that and I turn that on because that takes the longest, all right? And then I go and I choose what coffee pot I want and I get that out and I put it in the coffee machine and then I pour my little shot and then the milk should be done and then I pour the milk in and then I rinse out the, the frother thingy and then I put my caramel in and then there we go, there's my caramel latte. And I pretty much do it the same way just about every single time. 
And I don't know about you, whether there are little routines, little kind of things that you do, and, and it's great for our brain because it, it saves time, doesn't it? When we can do things without having to consciously think, if we had to actually consciously think about every action that we took during our day, we would get less accomplished. How, how, many, of you, how many of you know that? Like if you had to actually think through the process of like, like, how do I get dressed again? Oh, that's right, I have to like put this leg in first and then I have to put this leg in and what's next? Oh yeah, no, we don't, we don't do that, do we? It's like, because it, 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 that would, you know... How long would that take? How long would it take to do everything if you had to actually make a conscious decision about every single thing? But there's a whole lot of areas in our life when we kind of take that and understand how much of our everyday life is a result of not conscious decisions but just of habits, then we realise how important our habits are becoming when we are people who want to live in a way that is significant. When we are people who want to live in a way that brings honour to God, then we need to be mindful of what are the things that we're kind of doing with, you know, 40 to 45% of every single day. Because that's a fair chunk, isn't it? What are our default positions and our default responses? Now, it's not always just about kind of practical stuff. We have all kinds of habits, don't we? We have habits about how we interact with other people. We have habits about how we respond to certain things. Maybe one of your habits is, uh, uh, and I'm sure that this probably doesn't apply to anybody here, but I'm just throwing out some hypothetical things, okay? All right? Some people may have a habit of interrupting other people when they're talking and not really listening to what they have to say. We probably all know somebody a bit like that, don't we? But we won't, we won't today. Maybe one of, maybe some people have a habit of being quite quick to judge other people talking about what they're going through we sort of have this automatic thing where we kind of jump to conclusions or we jump to judgments about oh well you know if you weren't doing that then this wouldn't have happened to you you know maybe one of our maybe one of our habits is complaining well well now you're getting a bit personal pastor come on I won't ask for a show of hands, but, but isn't that something that at times we just kind of do out of habit? We don't, we're not really even thinking about necessarily who we're talking to. It's kind of like our default position is to have something to complain about. Maybe our, uh, we have a habit of losing our temper or, uh, you know, eating to make myself feel better. Or there, There's all kinds of different things that we could look at in our life and go... Um, there's some things in my life that I would really like to change, that I need to change, if I'm going to better reflect Jesus to people around me. Now, I, I don't want you to under, misunderstand what I'm talking about in this series. You know, kind of, one, one of the things that I sort of wrestled with a little bit through this series is that it's, it is very, a, a very practical message. And I, I don't want you to kind of be, be sitting here and going, well, this is very unspiritual and, you know, and that sort of thing. But I also don't want, to misunder- want you to misunderstand what I'm saying and think that what I'm saying is that we need to kind of fix up all our stuff and get ourselves right and if we can be self-disciplined enough and we can sort out our habits, then we'll be good enough for God. Because this is, I'm not talking about how we get right with God. I'm not talking about uh, our, our salvation. I'm not talking about our relationship with God. We need Jesus. We we will never be good enough 
for God without Jesus. Am I right? As the, the Scripture, the Bible is very, very clear. It says, you know, when, if you've made mistakes, if you've sinned, if you've messed up, uh, that, then you deserve separation from God. You don't deserve a relationship with God. And so He sent us a Saviour. He sent Jesus. And no matter what we've done, no matter what bad habits we have in our life, no matter what kind of weaknesses we're wrestling with or struggling with, Jesus made the, the way through His death on the cross that our mistakes and our weaknesses and our flaws are forgiven and we are made in right standing with God. We are put in right relationship with God. We are welcomed back into His family as His perfect sons and daughters. Now, most of us here today are Jesus people, aren't we? We would kind of describe ourselves as Christians. We would describe ourselves as followers of Jesus. Most of us here today have come to that point in our life where we have accepted Jesus as our Saviour, through faith in Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, that we have been made right with God. And yet we know, don't we, that we still have areas of our life where we don't accurately reflect what Jesus looks like. There are still areas in our life of uh, perhaps what we might call bad habits. I don't know, is it just me? Or? No, we do. <laughs> now, why, why is that? Like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, when we became Christians, Jesus just took all that stuff away? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it, it, we kind of, I, I wrestle with that sometimes. I kind of think, you know, God, why, why do you let me struggle with these, these habits, why didn't you just kind of make me perfect already? Or more perfect, maybe. <laughs> we know, don't we? we? We kind of intuitively know as Christians that we're not instantly cured of all of our bad habits. God doesn't take them all away. Now, that's not to say that God couldn't. I, I believe that God has done, like I've seen God do miracles, I've seen God heal people of addictions, cigarettes that they just kind of throw away and give up and never have another craving ever again. I've seen God do that and I know that He can, but often He doesn't. Sometimes Jesus takes away those things out of our addictions or, or changes our habits. There's this kind of transformation. We talk about being born again, we talk about having new life and being a new creation in Christ, but sometimes it's almost like the new creation looks a lot like the old creation, doesn't it? <laughs> because what, what is taking place is a spiritual transformation on the inside and sometimes the outside takes a little while to get in sync with what's already happened on the inside. But sometimes I think Jesus allows us to kind of to choose our own path in some ways. Jesus doesn't come and, and make all our decisions for us, does He? He doesn't come and, and, and live out every moment and, and map out our, our every day for us. And I think sometimes that's because He wants us to learn how to make those choices. Sometimes He wants us to learn how to rely on His strength and rely on His wisdom and rely on His grace to make God choices, to make wise choices in our life and, and to see the difference sometimes Sometimes don't we learn a lot from doing things the wrong way? My, my dad used to have a, a little saying. He used to say, good judgment. We want good judgment, right? He says, where does good judgment come from? Experience. Where does experience come from? 
bad judgment. <laughs> so often we learn by making mistakes. We learn by getting things wrong and then we contrast sometimes between here, this is what happened when I did it my way and then we try things God, God's way and we, we see the difference between how things turn out when we do things God's way and how things turn out when we do things our way. Like Paul, sometimes God's answer for us Sometimes what he says to us is, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And last week, we, we read a little bit of, of Paul's struggle. Romans 7, we touched on this last week. I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And we identify with Paul in this. He's like... There's so much of this, this struggle that we can identify with. And Jesus has set us free from the power of sin over us so that we can choose to live by the Spirit. And so I want to share, like in these messages, I, I guess my, my heart in this is to share some strategies for us in how we can kind of, I guess, make our outside life reflect the transformation that's taken place on the inside. How we can live lives that bring honour to God. How we can, uh, to, to share some strategies for building God-honouring habits into our, our everyday life. Habits that strengthen us rather than weaken us, that help us reflect Christ a little bit more. So last week we talked about uh, sometimes our goals and, and we kind of set goals and uh, we don't always kind of follow through on those, do we? Sometimes we have great intentions, we have great goals and, uh, and things just don't kind of work out that way. And we talked a little bit about some of the reasons why we don't succeed. We've, I think we've probably all been there at some point or another, whether it was a, a New Year's resolution or, you know, something that the doctor said about where we really ought to be, you know, losing weight or lowering our cholesterol or blood sugar or, you know, doing more exercise or, you know, whatever those kind of things might be, wearing our glasses or, you know, that was kind of... <laughs> so some, of some of us, uh, you know, when we kind of... I don't know how you guys who are like part-time glasses wearers, how you cope with that. Like, if I wasn't wearing them all the time, I don't think I'd ever wear them. Um, but, it's, you know, it's kind of life. Um, but we kind of looked at how we need more than goals because often we start out with this... Most of us kind of start out with good intentions and with good goals, with similar goals. Um, but the difference between whether or not we succeed or whether we fail is whether we have a system or a strategy about how to accomplish that goal. Um, so we talked about how sometimes we, we have the right goals but we don't know how to change our habits. Sometimes we fail because when we try, we don't see progress fast enough. And sometimes we kind of, you know, we, we, we know what it's like. You, you try something for a week, you try something for two weeks, you don't see any dramatic change and you therefore conclude that this is a waste of time. Uh, you know, when what we really need sometimes is to make small kind of, impacts over a long period of time equals a big impact it was like um yeah and the third reason was that sometimes we allow the enemy to attach our failures to our identity 
And so rather than, rather than seeing, you know, in a time when we miss up or we skip a day or we don't get to it or whatever, we, we kind of mess up and we, instead of saying, I failed at that task, what it becomes is, I'm a failure. And so our, our identity then begins to, when we have that false sense of identity that, the, that comes from the enemy rather than the true identity that we have which comes from God then that identity begins to then kind of feed into uh, our habits. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. I want to have a look this morning, just in a little bit depth, we kind of just mentioned him last week, but I want to look a little bit more this morning at the story of Daniel. Now, most of us know at least part of the story of Daniel, don't we? When we think of Daniel, what do we think of? Daniel in the lion's den, right? That was the big, dramatic, kind of miraculous sort of moment, wasn't it? But how many of you know that big, dramatic kind of miracles don't usually happen out of nowhere? That doesn't usually happen to people uh, unless you know there's, there's things kind of going on, you know, how does how does Daniel kind of get the kind of faith that says, yeah, you can throw me into the lion's den? <laughs> I, I, I'm not entirely sure uh, whether I would have had the same kind of attitude. I'd now, you know, Scripture doesn't always kind of give us in-depth colourful feeling kind of language to help us get inside exactly every thought that goes on inside of characters' heads. Sometimes we kind of get the, uh, the facts and the important stuff and we trust that God puts in everything that we need. Um, but sometimes I, I kind of read these stories and I think, you know, I really wonder what was going on inside. I wonder how fast his heart was beating at that point in time. You know, I, I wonder whether there were any any little fleeting moments of doubt in his mind because I'm pretty sure that my heart would have been going a mile a minute and um, and there might have been a few doubts that kind of cropped up from time to time. But Daniel was a, a guy, in the story of Daniel we see like he was part of a group of, of uh, from Israel that had been taken into captivity in Babylon and Daniel was a young man who, who kind of stood out he impressed the, the stewards when the king said, you know, pick some of the, the finest of the finest and the best of the best and those who are, are good looking and attractive and intelligent and speak well and, uh, you know, I've got that six pack of abs thing going on and, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and Daniel kind of stood out among the best of the best. And it says, uh, and, and we know that it was, it was there, there was a great amount of favour and blessing on Daniel's life. In Daniel 6.3, it says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. I don't know, we, we don't get a whole, uh, we don't get the whole picture, we don't get all the detail in this story. There's obviously ways that Daniel uh, excelled or proved himself, whether it was his, you know, work ethic, you know, whether he worked harder or was more disciplined or showed wisdom or leadership or ability. We kind of assume there was probably a whole lot of things that were going on. This is a pretty extraordinary sort of guy. But as, as the story goes on, we see that uh, success often breeds jealousy, doesn't it? 
and uh, many of the other guys were kind of a little bit sort of put out that Daniel was uh, excelling and, and proving himself to be so capable. He's like, you know, it's a bit like the old uh, the, the, the joke at, you know, the council office or something. We're like, stop working so hard. You're making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> the, the, the stereotype thing. But, but we see that the other, admin- says in the next couple of verses, and the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. It's a pretty uh, amazing kind of statement, isn't it? That the only thing that they could find against him... Now, I'm not sure that there'd be too many politicians in today's day and age that you could say that of, or public servants or administrators, that if you really started kind of digging into their lives, that you would go, there's not anything that we could criticise. You know, it's like if you generally want to know about the mistakes in somebody's past, uh, generally we find out as soon as they put their hand up and say, yeah, I'll be a, you know, uh, I'll stand for a leadership position or, a, you know, an elected office or something like that. The opposition will dig up all the dirt they can and generally they are able to find something, you know, whether it's little or big or whatever. And, but these guys, they're, they're trying to find something to discredit Daniel. They're trying to tr- find something to go to the king and go, oh, look, he's not perfect. You know, like, you, you know, he did this. Yeah, and they got nothing. So they, they, they pressured the king into enforcing this law that anyone who prays to anybody except for the king for the next 30 days will be thrown to the lions. We know that kind of story and we, we read the miracle and we kind of, we know what happened, how God rescued Daniel in the lion's den. You know, sometimes uh, there's, there's an important kind of thought in the story of Daniel, that, uh, you know, God didn't save Daniel from the lion's den. God saved Daniel in the lion's den. You know, it's like he didn't keep him out of any dangerous situation. He didn't keep him from any trouble. He didn't keep him from any kind of uh, strife or difficult circumstances. And sometimes we kind of, we can get in that position where we can get cranky with God sometimes and say, God, why didn't you prevent this thing from happening to me? Why didn't you stop this person from saying this bad thing about me? Why didn't you stop me from losing my job? Why didn't you keep that person that I love safe? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you stop me getting sick? And sometimes we kind of have to come back to, you know, God doesn't promise that nothing bad will ever happen to us. It was never part of it. Was, it was quite the opposite, really, wasn't it? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but I leave you my peace, that where I am, there you may also be. He gave us a promise that he would be with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. You walk through the waters. I'm skipping between scriptures, but the concept is right, okay? They're all there. <laughs> you know, when you walk through the waters, you won't be drowned, you won't be burned. I'll be with you. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will fear no evil because I am with you. My rod and staff protect you and comfort you. There are so many scriptures that talk about uh, going through difficult situations, but having his peace and knowing that he is with us in that moment. And this is exactly what Daniel discovered, that even in the lion's den, when his very life was on the line, 
that he had peace because God was with him. I don't know whether those first few seconds were very peaceful, but once he realised those lions weren't going to rip him to shreds and that God was going to protect him, I reckon this amazing peace... I don't know, maybe I'm making stuff up that's not there, but I'm speculating, I'm not making stuff up, I'm speculating. Perhaps God gave him a supernatural peace, we're not particularly told about that, but I reckon that um, there would have been a peace that he would have felt in knowing that God was with him in that place. But what's the story behind the success? I'm getting sidetracked here and I'm getting off the topic, forgive me. Because there's always, whenever we see somebody who's a success, there's, there's, it's usually preceded by a lot of hard work that most people don't see, isn't it? Uh, or, or, or habits or systems or things that are built into place in that person's life. And what we see with Daniel is this habit. It says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Daniel had built into his life this habit. He had built into his life this practice of setting aside time to draw near to God. He'd set aside this, this time three times a day to listen to God, to give thanks to God, to get to know this God that he served. Now, it might be tempting to think that it was easier for Daniel than what it is for us. After all, like... There's no mention in Scripture of Daniel ever having a wife or children. Now, how many of us know that sometimes spouses, uh, wives or husbands, sometimes children, are interruptions when we actually, you know, what is one of those things? We go to pray and some, somebody wants something. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of always seems to be the way, isn't it? Daniel never had a, a mobile phone. There was, there was no, uh, nobody ringing him, there was no pings, there was no notifications uh, that, that were in his pocket when he went to pray. You know, so surely it must have been easier for him. Uh, you know, he didn't get distracted by Snapchat, he didn't kind of, you know, start scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden all his prayer time was gone. Um, you know, it's like, I just had to make sure that person was okay, you know. But, you know... One of the things that I, that I find is, is generally true is that our distractions from prayer are not actually about the distractions, not really so much about the particular specifics of the thing that is distracting us, because there's always something, isn't there? Daniel was a guy who, he was like, you know, if you can imagine, although he was a slave, he was kind of in a fairly high position of serving the king. He was an official. There would have been people coming and asking him questions and he would have had responsibilities. He would have been a busy guy. I have no doubt that there would have been all kinds of things clamouring for his attention and for his time just as much as what we have today. Because there's always something, isn't there? But he chose, he made a choice. He made a choice to actually structure his life around this habit. He made a choice to actually prioritise this time that he spent with God over other things that were, were, were trying to d- demand or, or clamour for his attention. 
he made a choice every day, three times a day, to come and spend time with God, to put that first, to make that a priority. And I think that it's, I, I have absolute confidence in saying that it's that relationship with God that he had, which kind of enabled him to be in that space where he could talk boldly to a king, where he could face down the lions. And you read through the life of Daniel and there was all kinds of moments through Daniel's life where he was quite bold in how he spoke to one king or another. He served under numerous different kings and God protected him and and he did some amazing things, some interpreting of dreams for kings and, and all kinds of things. But it was this this, this habit that Daniel had that kind of, uh, I guess, made him the person that he was. That made him the person who uh, was able to interpret dreams and hear messages from God. He'd learned in that quiet place in his upstairs room how to hear God's voice. He'd learned how to pray. He'd learned how to seek God. And so when that, that moment came, when he was put to the test, when he was kind of put in the, in the furnace, he was prepared. He'd been built up. He, it built into his life was this relationship with God that had started with one little habit. So many things in our life come from small, positive habits, from small, good, wise decisions that we make along the way. There's probably, you know, when I kind of, you know, I, I look at my life and the, the, the very small number of positive things that I can look at and point to and say I've done well at, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and you could do this as well. Like if we look at our lives and go, here's an area where I'm doing really well, there's probably not like one thing or, or one moment that we could point to and say, that's where, you know, that's where things, you know, really happened, you know, probably for most of us in those areas of our life, they're like little decisions, little disciplines, little moments, little habits each day that kind of, you know, solidified and grew and became uh, significant over time. There's a lot of little things that kind of add up. One of the things that, um, that, that I'm looking at, trying to implement in my life, and, and this was one that um, Craig Groeschel talks about, he talks... He, he, encourages people to think about adding one new positive habit to your life each year. And it doesn't seem like a whole lot, does it? You know, just, just one small little change. Because often we go, oh, here's all these things that I need to change about my life, don't we? Here's all these areas where I don't feel like I'm good enough and I've got to try and change them all at once. And I've got to, you know, I've got to go and start running a 5K every day. And I've got to start reading my Bible for an hour and a half every morning and get up at 5.30 and, you know, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to fix up and I've got to start, you know, buying my wife flowers every day and I've got to start, you know... But don't, don't we have that tendency to do that? We want to, like, fix everything all at once. And, and how well does that work for us? It, it very quickly becomes way too overwhelming and we very quickly fail at one thing and then it's like, oh, well, I've already dropped the ball on that one thing so I might as well... You know, there's no point, you know, I've, I've, I'm a failure. And so he encourages, he says, like, pick one little small change that you want to make this year. 
and, and think about doing that each year. Last week we talked about this, this idea of beginning with the who, with who goals. And hopefully you went away during the week and, and you've been thinking about that. Hopefully that's something that's been coming back to your mind. It's not about what I want to do, but it, it's about who I want to become. What are the, what are the goals? What's, what's one simple thing that I can do? And, and kind of, I guess, as an extension of that, so starting from that point of going, what kind of person do I want to become? Who do I want to become? And then, and then start to pray and ask God. And I guess this is the, um, how we begin with that, is to begin with prayer. And I encourage you to do that and say, Lord, would you help me to, to identify an, an area of my life where I need to make a change and help me to do it? And it's probably like, and here's, here's a couple of suggestions, all right? Make it small. Make it something small. In fact, it's, it's probably better if it's small because it's more likely that we'll actually do it. If we want to be a person who is more caring towards others, then go, I'm going to write, you know, a little appreciative text message or a note to somebody this week or, you know, each day even, if you like, get in that habit. If I want to be a a person that's more organized, you know, say I'm going to get up each morning and I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make my bed, you know, just start off with the the tone. If you want to be a a godly example to your teen, then go, well, let's start doing a a Bible reading plan together. If you want to be a person that's, that's more focused, maybe just go, I'm just going to start each day with like a little list of like my top two or three priorities for the day, things I want to get done today. Make it small. All right, so this is what we call, this is one of the things, I'm just going to go through this real quick. One of the things that we sometimes wrestle with is, that, is, is this whole idea of when, it, when we don't achieve our goals, sometimes we don't have a problem with goals, but we have a problem with our systems. We have a problem with our habits. And you go, well, I don't have a system, but the reality is that we probably do, whether it's intentional, whether it's by default. Um, we probably have some kind of system. It's like our normal sort of process that we go through of doing things. And, uh, and sometimes, so we kind of have this thing where um, we'll, there'll be a, a, a trigger, a cue or something that says, when, when this happens, then this happens. When I walk past the fridge, I always you know, have a look in. Or when I get bored, um, I go and look for something to, to snack on or to eat. When I'm angry, I do this. So, you know, whatever, whatever the kind of the trigger is, uh, it kind of leads to an action which then sort of creates some sort of reward or outcome and that kind of then reinforces that sort of thing. Sometimes, does, does that make sense? So we have this kind of cycle. And so what we're looking at, what, what we need to do when we're kind of wanting to establish a new habit is to make sure that we put those triggers in places that are obvious. So we kind of need to establish a, uh, a, a trigger for us. So if we say, well, I'm going to try to read my Bible um, every evening before I go to bed, all right? So sometimes that's an easy one to forget, isn't it? When you're, trying to, when you're in that, trying to create a new habit. And so instead of like leaving your Bible on the, the bookshelf or in the car from last Sunday or um, wherever it is that we sometimes leave it, like put it on your pillow, and so when you come in, you start getting ready for bed and you're like, oh, there's, there's my Bible, that's right, I was going to, you know, 
read my Bible before I go to bed. And it might be you're just going to read like one line or two lines or, you know, whatever it is. If it was, the, you know, something about, well, I'm going to try to be more encouraging and I'm going to send someone a text message, you know, put a reminder in your phone um, that sort of with an alert that comes up and says, hey, don't forget you were going to do this. So put things in front of you to help you to kind of create those uh, triggers and cues and make them obvious. So like make those kind of triggers, make those cues like obvious, put them in kind of a, a place where you'll see it, where you'll come across it, where you'll stand it. You know, put the, the, you know, if you have unhealthy food, make sure they're like right at the back of the cupboard and, you know, put the healthy food at the front or something, I don't know. <laughs> so make it obvious but secondly, make it easy. And this is one of the things, like, th- this is one of the things that I struggle with. Like, I have all these lofty ambitions about things, and I, my, my biggest uh, obstacle to creating new habits in my life is that I make them too hard. I set the bar too high for myself, and then uh, it's almost, almost like inevitable that it becomes too difficult. But make it easy. If you to, to, to start off a new habit, if your goal is to read your Bible more, start off with reading one verse every day. If your goal is to, you know, maybe you want to start um, praying with your spouse on a more regular basis, like set a goal of just like, you know, just grab each other's hands and just thank God for one thing. Sometimes it's awkward to pray with our spouses, and I don't know why that is, but um, so just, just make that decision to just stop and Thank God for one thing. If you're, if you're uh, wanting to you know, start journaling, then just make it like one sentence or two sentences. If it's you know, getting more fit, don't start with like doing an hour and a half workout every day. Start with like you know, 10 push-ups or five push-ups or you know, a few sit-ups. or Start, start small and easy and accomplishable um, so that you feel like you can do it. One kind or encouraging word to somebody, like make it easy and one of the things that that we can do to help when we look back at that sort of system of sort of triggers and actions and and cues and things uh we kind of something's really is actually to verbalize what i'm going to do and what is my trigger so like after set a set a time so after i do this i'm going to do this you know build those into our habits build those into our our day after i get up I'm going to shower and then I'm going to have breakfast and I'm going to read my bible plan while I'm eating breakfast you know when I'm you know come home and have lunch with my spouse I'm going to after we eat we're going to pray whatever it might be because when we when we set in a time if we just kind of wait for it to just kind of happen usually it doesn't happen does it if we set, a, a, set up that trigger and that cue, we will have more success. Successful people do consistently what others only do occasionally. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't, don't be discouraged. When we're talking about doing small, easy things, and we go, well, you know, what difference is that going to make in my life? I want to encourage you not to, as, as Scripture says, you know, don't despise small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. There are small things that are done consistently 
over time can bring significant change into our lives. I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm going to be going away and, and looking at what things, asking God and going, God, help me to find the, the one thing that you want me to focus on, the one thing that I'm going to try and implement to work towards who God wants me to be. So based on who God wants me to become, what one small action will you take today? What one small action does God want you to take today? And what system do you need to put into place in order to do that action consistently? All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your wisdom. Lord, we thank you that your spirit uh, is our helper. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be listening to your spirit as we, uh, as we have that discussion, that conversation with you about what kind of person you want us to become. Who do, I, who do we want to be? And Father, as we uh, look at what we need to do, to what, what things we need to begin to establish, what, what new habits or systems we need to build into our life, Lord, help us not to, not to become discouraged when we don't see dramatic results. Help us to, to be persistent, to have that determination to stick and see positive changes in our life. Lord, we thank you that you are helping us in those things wanting to help us to grow uh, into mature sons and daughters of God that reflect Christ in our world around us, that bring honour to you, God. Lord, our desire is that our lives would bring honour to you, that we would be good ambassadors, we would be good representatives of, of you and, and who you are. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us taking small steps and implementing them in our lives. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.